0: Hello, and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa, and the podcast is in partnership with PR Daily, which is the preeminent brand for public relations professionals delivering news, advice, opinions, and benchmarking via prdaily.com. Join me there to find more episodes for the podcast. And if you like the podcast, please do leave a review and share it with your colleagues so that more folks can find it online. Thanks so much. Well, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today, I am joined by Simone Sebastian, and and I just, I can't wait to hear more. I've been following now the introduction of Capital B into the news space since early this year, 2022. And so Simone, editorial director, really just keeping an eye on all of the newsrooms. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today
1: thank you for having me i'm excited
0: well so let's get into it you're in a space where you are creating a brand new news product news digital news program and 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 platform that is just coming into a space where other newsrooms are are going away so talk to me a little bit about the concept be- behind capital b and and what you're doing today
1: yeah so the concept of Capital B came out of um like so many things The summer of 2022 oh. or 2020 and um where our founders uh Lauren Williams and Akoto Aforiata, um Lauren from Vox and um Akoto from the Trace um and their respective newsrooms were having a lot of thoughts about um how news was covering Black issues. Mm -hmm. I was at the Washington Post at the time, didn't know either of them, but was having many of the same feelings and thoughts about the limitations of mainstream news coverage at a time that was so um, tumultuous, emotional for Black Americans. And um, we all were making efforts on our own to try and push our mainstream newsrooms to view these moments through a different lens. Um, And to be fair to all of our newsrooms, I think we all um, felt heard, um, but there is um, as any conscious American knows difficulties in understanding the different experiences, um, that black Americans, white Americans have. So mm-hmm. there's just a natural boundary there. There's a natural limitation. Sure. And so, um, Lauren and Akoto, um, had the guts and the bravery to say, you know, let's, right. let's just try our own thing. Right. And, um, when they came to me, I, I was like, this sounds amazing. Oh, I would love yeah. to join you guys.
0: Absolutely, mm-hmm. and and it, it. I mean, 2020 was obviously a benchmark. I mean, it was a, it was a moment in time. But yeah. the news has not slowed for one second. So you all hit the ground running. I mean, really. And I've followed the, the coverage is so good. You have so many good writers that are working for you. I mean, just from the outside looking in. Like, mm-hmm. And the point of view, um, to me, just really feels super authentic, thoughtful, smart. Like you guys are really doing super impressive work. And so I'm, I'm just you. super grateful for, for you and, and your point of view. I, you are not in Washington anymore. You, you wrote for The Post, but you're, right. where are you now?
1: So I moved to Atlanta, where our first local newsroom is based Mm -hmm. um, to help get this started and running. Um, So our our model is to have a national newsroom, which is virtual. Um, We have reporters all over the country. And then we have local newsrooms as well. The first one in Atlanta, as I said, and uh, we have a couple more planned for next year.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, I can't imagine that there's been any news in Georgia this year. My goodness. We're playing way past the whistle here on this uh, on this runoff that will continue on yes. and on. It feels like it's, yeah. I was making the joke before uh, before we started about how uh, it's only been a week since midterms, but it feels like we've all aged about 100 years. <laughs> it's been a lot, 100%. a lot of yes. news. Um, talk to me a little bit about the verticals that you set up. Because every every publication, as they come into this news space, when they build something like Capital B, they start to think about what verticals make the best sense for the audience they're trying to reach. And from, from mm-hmm. the research I've done, it looks to me like you guys were pretty thoughtful about how you came to to identify where you wanted to at least get started. Talk to yeah. me about that.
1: Sure. Well, our idea obviously was to think about what were the issues that are most important to black Americans that most affect their lives really. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really kind of honed in, I mean, we're, we're a small startup and so we had to really think about within the enormous space of issues that affect, affect black Americans, which ones do we feel like with our resources we should be giving the most attention to? Yeah. And um, so we naturally came up with um, a few uh, criminal justice being hugely important of course. Um, so we have a uh, reporter who is covering that space, um, education in the age of um, you know the debate over quote unquote critical race theory. Um, right. And a lot of um, black families questioning whether traditional schooling is right for them, um, given the limitations there and some of the lack of representation. Mm-hmm. So we picked up education as well. Um, climate becoming hugely important, um, you know, astronomically every day growing in importance and the lack of awareness. I think that exists on how how disproportionately affected Black Americans are um, by the impacts of climate change. Mm -hmm. Um, So we saw that as another gaping hole. And then another one that we have is rural issues, um, which is another gaping hole in mainstream news, particularly when it comes to Black Americans. Um, I think it it just feels a lot of the time like people, Americans don't even know that Black folks exist in rural areas. Um, You know, all of the coverage that came out of you know, rural America in mm-hmm. 2016 was hugely focused on white Americans. And yeah. so we saw a huge opportunity there as well. So those are a few that we identified um, as vertical areas of coverage.
0: That's, I mean, it's, and it's great. And they all really are super important issues and issues that I think, um, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it looks to me also like mm-hmm. so many newsrooms are really predominantly white white journalists Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you have now assembled a a team of writers that are predominantly african-american is that right there's the whole the whole team oh yeah
1: our whole team is 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 black Uh um um i'm trying to think if there's any exceptions There are. yeah at the
0: no and it makes yeah. sense i mean honestly mm-hmm. like you know it's 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 beautiful that you guys have thought about it that way in a way that you're telling stories that also you know appeal to um mm-hmm. to your audience and that's really smart um mm-hmm. but there are you're not the first you're not the first publication to appeal to try to appeal to a black mm-hmm. audience i mean so what sets you guys aside do you think because um, mm-hmm. there there are some very historic uh, publications that have been yes. out there for a very long time, but obviously yes. you you needed to carve out a space that made you guys a little bit different, a little separate. Talk to me mm-hmm. a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so this was very exciting to me when Morgan Carter talked to me about it um, because I, I studied um, historic Black publications in college. Um, they are my inspiration, um, and I have so much admiration for them. The sad part is, a lot of them have, are not Um, well-funded. They're very small. Mm -hmm. Um, They had an amazing heyday through the civil rights movement, um, were insanely important. Um, And, um, but yeah, just, just haven't been able to um, survive um, as richly as they did in the past. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of them, are still predominantly um print-based right um and so for younger generations that just doesn't work it doesn't resonate um and i think those digital publications that do exist for black americans online a lot of them are focused on entertainment understandably like we if there's something that black americans need it's like moments of joy and like entertainment yeah that makes sense i think it makes sense Mm -hmm. but what we wanted to do was really um stick to news coverage that affects black people's lives on a day-to-day basis and how high quality their lives can be. So we take on some more, um, serious and impactful, um, topics that, um, that lack coverage, both in mainstream and in, um, in, in black news spaces. So, um, I think that's what what makes us different.
0: Yeah. And and it makes perfect sense, right? News is, is much more curated now, right? I mean, we're at a time when people are looking for news from people that look like them, think like them, act like them, understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's political, that's interests, whatever the case may be. And each and every, every one of you at Capital B has covered other beats in other places too. Mm -hmm. Tell me how. I know that you spent a lot of time. First off, I mean, seventeen years old. You you wrote something for the Detroit Free Press. I know from doing a little research, but you've been in you've been in sixteen other markets. I mean, you've been at this for a while and you've covered like very very broad issues. So this is this is obviously you've come to a little bit more of a niche. But you're the you're the editorial director, so you're making sure that all of the content that's coming out is is quality and consistent with the brand. Mm -hmm. But how did you get started?
1: Yeah, I appreciate you for asking that um, because I really do love my journey so much and it's made me who I am as a journalist. Um, I did discover journalism very early when I was still in high school and um, I was living um, outside of Detroit, Michigan Mm -hmm. and um, uh, became an intern at 17 years old for the Detroit Free Press and um, interned um, at numerous news organizations throughout college and this was um, in the early 2000s. And um, it was like the last (laughs) hurrah for like that golden age of newspapers, like print newspapers. So I feel like I was the last generation that was raised on like traditional objective print-based news. The world has changed. Um, The world has changed. And so when I was relatively still new, I realized like, oh, everything I just learned is like about to become really obsolete in terms of how journalism works. Mm. And so um, I went to grad school at City University of New York to learn digital news. Mm. And it was also, in addition to being digitally focused um, and multimedia focused, CUNY also was very, um, rooted in New York, diverse New York journalism, um, that, that didn't, or at least less than other mainstream news did not center purely like white American experiences. And so I found that very exciting and it it just made me think about how news will be different in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so i i spent the next several years like working in newsrooms across the country and really learning how how journalism is conducted varies widely across this country depending on who the audience is yeah. i went from the san francisco chronicle where i covered the first gay marriages to Texas, where um, you know we were writing about gun rights and whiplash all stuff, and it was just, yeah, I, mean, I had whip this country. Covering I bet, um, but it was beautiful because it just taught me how how diverse our country is, and how we as journalists really should embrace that. um yeah. And the, yeah, it's maybe the journalist I am today. Yeah,
0: and I think too, like having just like in anything else, right? Like having a sense of the history of the way journalism right. was and how it's evolving probably really contributes now to how you're sharing information and getting the getting the word out there. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about um, what are the issues? So among those verticals that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. what do you think, cause obviously, I mean, your readers are paying attention and they are connecting with you cause, that, cause online communities are really, they're happening everywhere what kinds, what are the, what's the issue, you know, is there one or two issues that really lights up the board? Like, is there one that where, you know, like people are fired up and they want to talk more about it? Um, and I'm, cause I'm curious about that. Cause also you're in the nonprofit space. So I suspect that as you're thinking about how to bolster and support the newsroom, you're also paying attention to where your readers really are concentrating.
1: Yeah. So there, I have a couple of things for that. Um, one thing that we've found out really resonates with our readers I'll start by saying it's it's the issues that mainstream picks up are the right issues so we've seen the most interest in issues like the Jackson water crisis Mm um um hurricane Ian and its impact like you know and 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 so black news consumers are interested in the stories that mainstream is picking up on the problem is Mainstream news forgets about them as soon as the next thing comes around. Yep. And so where we've seen some really interesting numbers is when we follow up on those stories. Buffalo is another one. The Buffalo mass shooting.
0: Right.
1: Mainstream news forgets about these stories or moves on from these stories a lot faster than our readers do. Because mm. our readers are still experiencing Absolutely. the repercussions of those issues. Sure. And so... We find that a lot of our follow-up coverage of these stories gets a lot um, a lot of interest from readers. Huh. Um, the other category that we um, get a lot of interest in is what I like to call kind of like, it, it's off the news kind of thing. So our biggest story today that just went viral a couple of weeks ago mm. was our story about two Black radio DJs who... Um, who owned the copyright for the phrase White Lives Matter. Uh-huh. And um, that was um a phrase that Kanye West put on a yeah, t shirt and got mm-hmm. a ton of coverage for mm-hmm. that. Um so Kanye's downward spiral is being covered, and people are up in arms about him having you know this this phrase, and so that was the mainstream story, right? It was all yeah. the drama around that. Um, but we have a relationship with these two black DJs mm-hmm. um, who uh, mainstream news doesn't know about. They work for a Black news um, yeah. radio organization. Yeah. And so they said, hey, you know, like, listen, there's this, this random piece of information about us. Like, what do you guys think about this? And we were like, yeah, I love it. Oh, can we write um, <laughs> I love it. And, uh, we did. And it got a huge amount of attention. And it, to me, it was just an example of how our capital B's community our sources are different than mainstream sources. That's so cool. And so we find stories that are gonna be interesting to our audience that mainstream just doesn't have the connections to find. Yeah.
0: Or the or the attention span to your point. Or the attention right? span I That's mean because right. this this exactly. is the other thing. Like it is it's amazing how much we move on uh in, in you know, traditional the traditional media space. But sometimes, I mean, especially for communities that are, that are affected by these issues, I mean, you know, local media, but local media too has also kind of gone away. So good on you guys for, for staying with the story and paying attention. Um, okay, so so nonprofit. So I am a journalism, I am pro-journalism in my podcast. So I want to talk for a minute about the nonprofit side of Capital B and how people can help support you guys in the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's great. I appreciate you asking that question. So, we have, we're largely funded by um, grants um, by the American Journalism Project, um, the Ford Foundation, um, and we really appreciate those. Um, But we're really hoping to grow as our audience grows, our members, so Mm -hmm. individuals who support capital B's journalism and um, can give you know, whatever they can give as, um, annual, as an annual membership yeah Um, so the opportunity to do that is at the click of a button on our website. Um, we're going to link to it it in the podcast too. We'll
0: make sure everybody has a link that they can connect to. Yeah.
1: Love it. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that's the best way for individual, um, readers to support capital B's journalism. Um, we love being a nonprofit because it allows us to focus on those stories that are important and not have to be beholden to those stories that drive traffic, Mm -hmm. which is typically those that are, you know, dramatized
0: and, you
1: know, are high entertainment, but like low impact. Um, and, um, so the support of our readers, the financial support, and just the, re- you know, the, just reading our information is super important to making sure. But that also
0: staying connected to too, life. right? Because if people are yeah. investing in you guys, then they're caring about what you're covering and they're, they're paying close Absolutely. attention and they want to know more. And that's, I think that's cool. That's like, it's really the way we build community online and how we keep conversations okay. going that are meaningful, that are maybe impactful and perhaps can even affect change in a way that we need that it. Is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. that. That's absolutely true. And that's why we like to, I mean, I say we like to think of ourselves as community journalists, but that's why we are community journalists. Yeah. We want to be connected to our community. We want our stories to come from the community. Um, we want our readers to feel like we are working for them. Um, and working to make their lives better. So when they encounter problems, or when they encounter questions, they're coming to us. And we we have the opportunity to help them find answers. Oh, that's
0: cool. All right. So uh, because you're sitting in Atlanta, I'm not going to ask you about politics specifically, because I try to keep <laughs> this politics free, my friend, because I'm over it. <laughs> I'm a recovering political <laughs> person our, myself. Um, but Americans, I do think yeah. I do think that there was a message that we heard in the results of the election. And I'll tell you my point of view, and you can see, you tell me mm-hmm. if you guys are seeing that, because I know you've done already a little bit of an autopsy yourself. Um, mm-hmm. It strikes me that the voters sent a message that they are tired of mm-hmm. the um, hyperbole. They're tired of the fear mm-hmm. and the scare tactics and the other um, nonsense that is being mm-hmm. sort of um, fed to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that to me was encouraging on election night. And as the autopsy came through, because I feel that way as a consumer of information and a active voter, what have you found in your, in the, in the autopsy that you guys have done so far? Cause obviously there is still a runoff that's happening right there in your back backyard, but tell me mm-hmm. if you can.
1: Yeah, no, I think your, your feelings are similar to many Americans. Um, I think one difference for Black folks is, um, yes, also tired, Mm. um, but I think a lot of Black people um, feel that the stakes are so high Mm -hmm. um, for Black Americans Mm -hmm. um, in this country that um, the Not saying that you were saying this, but I think a lot of Americans, you you know, want to disconnect. Yeah, um, and just are kind of like hands off. Like I'm tired of this. Like oh, that's interesting. I know where you're going with
0: this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and
1: um, so you know, the the kind of just being disconnected, it just isn't an option, right? And um for Black Americans, because the impacts of that, um, I think we saw during the Trump administration can be so high for people of color in in this country, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And just the exercising of basic rights. And so I think we hear from a lot of sources when we talk to them that, um, you know, even (laughs) if they're fed up, they're tired, um, that there is still a need to be engaged and to come out um and be a part of the conversation that's happening Mm -hmm.
0: um you're not saying you're not saying that I'm hearing it my 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 being tired is that's that's so cute to be tired but and I I say this to you I say this it's cute for me to be tired but like so everybody's tired but but the stakes are too high for us to give up
1: yeah I get that yes I, th- I think that is um, an experience that a lot of um, Black voters are are having and feeling. Right
0: Absolutely, now. get it.
1: Um, and so, and, and you know, with the runoff here, it's, it's it's such an interesting one because I mean, it's historic. Absolutely, There's two Black men. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, obviously, Black Americans, you know, since the Civil Rights Movement, overwhelmingly Democratic. Um, The support is overwhelmingly from the black community in Wardock's corner. Um, But we were just talking today too about, um, you know, the stakes of a, um, you know, there's a growing interest from the Republican party in becoming more diverse. Mm -hmm. But that diversity, I think, does not play to the black community the way that Republicans think (laughs) does. And I agree. um, I agree. And, and, and so it's yet another motivating factor. Mm -hmm. um, I think for a lot of black voters. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Food for thought. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, All right. So I only have you for a few more minutes, Simone. And my hardest question of the day Mm -hmm. um, is who else should I talk to? for the podcast. I need a recommendation for, for (sighs) a future episode. And I know everybody's like, Oh my God, I have so many people you should talk to, but first person that comes to mind. Um, and it can be someone you work with a capital B or someone, you know, doing something else that's cool around the country. Um, but I'm asking for a recommendation.
1: Okay. Um, there are so many, uh, names that are coming to mind for me, but I will say, you asked about, you know, who is the first one. And, um, I, I think this comes to mind first in part because um, I'm, I'm reading her book right now. I just got it, um, but I also used to work with her at the Washington Post. Um, Helena Andrews-Dyer, um, I don't know if you've um, read her work, um, but she is an amazing journalist and she's, she has written um, a book that is important to me. It's called The Mamas. And um, it's about the journey of motherhood through the lens of diverse experiences by race, how class and race impact the view of motherhood. Awesome. Um, So it just affects me right now. Um, I'm a new mom, to explain that. Oh, Um, congratulations. Another person. Thank you. um, Krista Thompson is also at the Washington Post, um, a uh, mentor of mine, I will call her. um, And uh, she was it last year? um, Became the managing editor of diversity and inclusion for um, the Washington Post um, and just such a thoughtful journalist and a thoughtful leader in um, the news industry. So those are too, that
0: too? Good. Well, that's perfect. And it just helps me grow the list, right? I mean, there's right. no obviously nobody's nobody's put to, to put to task and if, if they're busy, and <laughs> it doesn't work out. That's cool, too. But yeah. to me, it's also a great shout out to people that have been have inspired you and or, or that you're reading yeah. or that you think would be, f- you know, good for the conversation. So, Simone, I can't tell you enough. Thank you. Thank you for your nice. time. Thank you for uh, sharing your insights. Thanks for what you're doing there. And we will be sure to list uh, how to fo- how folks can be more helpful to you guys there. And we'll keep following you uh, as you guys continue to grow.
1: Great. Lisa, this was um, my pleasure. Thank you for all of the thoughtful questions. Appreciate it.
0: And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much.